Welcome to Every Quarter, the voice of Andover, Phillips Academy's official podcast where we share the compelling stories and ideas of our faculty, alumni, students, and distinguished campus guests. Our monthly show features candid conversations on current events, academia, and Andover's connection to important matters happening around the world. If you like what we do, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a review, comment, and rating. Your feedback helps promote every quarter and helps us tell the type of stories you want to hear. How do we educate our society as it consistently evolves? The Institute for Recruitment of Teachers, or IRT, seeks to answer this question. Founded in 1990 by Kelly Wise, the IRT has a nearly 30-year history of producing socially justice-minded educators in both the K-12 and the professoriate. We sit down with the new executive director of the IRT, LaShonda Brooks, and Jessica Acosta-Chavez, Associate Director of Admission and Outreach. As an alumna of both the program and Phillips Academy, Jessica has the unique opportunity to speak with LaShonda around the history of IRT, the current needs in educating diverse populations, and new possibilities for the IRT. As the American demographics change, so do our need for educators. According to the Learning Policy Institute, people of color represent nearly 40% of the population and 50% of our students. Since the IRT's founding, the percentage of K-12 educators of color has increased from 12% to 20%. Currently, there are over 2,000 individuals who have received a master's degree and over 330 PhDs awarded to IRT alumni. Hello, everyone. My name is Jessica Costa-Chavez, and welcome to the Every Quarter podcast. I'm here today with the newly selected Executive Director of the IRT, LaShonda Brooks. Hello. Hi, LaShonda. Hi, <laughs> Thanks Jessica. for talking to me today. Um, so I'm especially excited to interview you because I'm an IRT alumna myself. And um, I was part of the associate program, which mm -hmm. I know is different from the um, summer component. Um, so for the folks who are out there who might not know what IRT is, would you mind telling us just a little bit about IRT um, and the different programs that IRT has? Sure. So IRT is the Institute for Recruitment of Teachers, and we're based here at Phillips Academy in Andover. And our organization sort of operates to increase the amount of educators who identify as being diverse individuals in the system that we have today. So we know and we see uh, quite often that students in either the K through 12 or at their university or even in their school systems, it's quite far and few in between that you might have an educator or a teacher of color. And so we really work to sort of close that gap um, and having more students and teachers and professors of color who are able to speak to the diverse needs of their student population. And so we do this by having uh, two programs. So we have our summer intern program. And so those students come to Phillips Academy over the summer. They're housed here. It's about 30 of them. Every day they go through really intense curriculum that prepares them for graduate school. And so it's a warm welcome, I think, into what academia can be like, and particularly for our juniors and seniors who are currently in college. Our other program is our associate program, and that's for anyone and everyone, as long as you're interested in pursuing um, work in education or a graduate school degree in education, you're able to apply, and we connect with those students virtually. And it's about 80 or so of those students. And so those two programs together sort of combine and form 
uh, our summer programming as well as our year-long programming, which works with the aim of increasing the diversity that we see in education. Yeah, um, and I can say from being one of the associate uh, members, but also graduating from Andover, I had yeah. heard about the IRT as a student here, but I didn't really know what it was or mm -hmm. how it would ap apply later on in my life. But um, I think a lot of students of color don't necessarily think education right after college, sure. a path to education. I definitely, um, I, I was interested in, in education in some way. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure how that would play out. And I think it was only until uh, I saw IRT uh, in one of the, a session or a fair at college yeah. that I started to think about it again. And I realized, oh yeah, that's that program that was, you know, that's an avid campus and I didn't really know much about it. So I actually heard about it in, in more detail through a fair. Uh, but what are the ways that IRT is focusing on on getting students mm -hmm. of college to think about, um, to really see themselves in, in a career in the education sector? That's a great question. So I think it's kind of, our program is really centered on building relationships. And I've noticed that quite early on. So Kelly Wise was an instructor here at Phillips Academy and was able really to network with students and get them invested in this idea of how do we get more educators that can speak to diverse experiences that we see in our country. And I think primarily the way that we've really started to form these relationships right now and sort of making education a really nice and beautiful career option, even though we know it's very difficult, is by reaching students on their campuses. And so we have a team of a mighty staff of about six individuals, and almost each one of us sort of travel throughout the country going to our institutions, our consortium schools, which are schools that we've identified as partners um, in this sort of effort to find more qualified diverse educators and so we go on those campuses we meet with students we work with liaisons we form these partnerships that are long lasting in terms of being able to build and identify a pipeline maybe at a particular college and university but we also really i think leverage relationships sort of outside of our immediate scope in sequence so we have an advisory board that's comprised of different individuals. Some of them are involved in education, some are not. They use their resources to sort of spread the word about IRT. We've had a really involved network of alumni. Those individuals have also hosted some of our recruitment sessions and are able to connect with other nonprofit partners and individuals there as well. So we really try to, I think, use the relationship-centered approach to build out a structural pipeline of connecting with individuals so that students can can see education as like a viable option. But I also think the real tangible experience of the summer workshop helps to demystify that experience for teachers as well. So you might have individuals who come in and say, oh, I really thought I wanted to work in bilingual education, like that was what I really wanted to do. But when you see all of these universities and recruiters and other students there, you might have a change of heart and reimagine a new space for you in education. And so I think through demystifying what education can comprise and consist of, that's also sort of rolling back the layers of what students can see themselves becoming. Mm -hmm. Is there is there any way of, uh, of having some of what happens in the summer component for those folks in, in the associate program? I, I feel uh, mm -hmm. almost that associates um, are a little bit more targeted in what they want to apply, so maybe they don't have to work with that, uh, but it would be great to think about you know, other programs. Do the, do the um, IRT um, coordinators help 
them think about different programs? That uh, yeah, that's a great question. So we've already started the process, um, and I don't know what your experience was like when you were an associate, but we started the process already of trying to find ways to talk to associates earlier in the process. So one of the challenges is that we have the summer workshop and our associates, our September through November period mm -hmm. is normally when we advise students, and that advising really consists of helping students identify their key qualities in their personal statements, but also the other component of our advising is around school list advising. So if I'm interested in a master's degree in education policy, what are the best universities and programs that I should look towards for that experience? And what are the experiences that I'm hoping to have? And so you'll have a conversation with an advisor about that. And then you'll have a conversation with another advisor maybe about how do you structure your statement of purpose to align to those schools that you're considering applying to? Our associates have normally had a little bit of challenge in that because they're not here over the summer to connect about these issues in person. So what we've been doing is connecting with our associates earlier in September. Our associates also are all invited to our recruiters weekend and that's when all of our consortium liaisons and representatives are here so they can ask those questions can be considered to be engaged and also form networks with our current intern class. But our associate, I feel, our associate class is very much like the lifeblood of our program in a way, mm -hmm. uh, being that there are so many of them, and particularly that, as you mentioned, they're coming in with a little bit of a different focus. They could be fresh out of college, they could have already received a master's degree, they could be late career shifters, and interested in education. We have no age cap for that program. And so I think it's important for us to really consider how are we making the most of that experience and how are we understanding the uniqueness of that experience to match, um, so that we're able to match our services with the skills that those students are bringing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and from, from my experience as a first-gen college student mm -hmm. in doing the application process, I, I had help with my Andover counselor, but really it was me guiding that process in my family because my parents yep. were supportive, but they didn't really know you know, how, what steps to take and, and how to go about doing that. And the same for embarking on graduate school. I kind of felt, I felt in many ways um, more alone because you mm -hmm. didn't have you know, your college counselor in, from high school helping you around. So it, it was really more doing the research on your own and figuring all this stuff out on your own. So the IRT program was so helpful to me and, and, and having someone I can bounce ideas back mm -hmm. with. Um, how do you see that role with uh, the, the current, you know, the counselors for IRT helping the associates you know, at whatever stage they might be coming from, right? Mm -hmm. and, and being that sounding board for them mm -hmm. um, as they go through this process. And, and many of them might be, you know, first gen uh, people of color who are going through this graduate process on their own. Yeah, I identify as a first gen student too. I was first generation, low income. And for me, I think that that part of the process is so invaluable. Um, it's incredibly important. I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And I think part of the grad school process that's so challenging for students is that you might create these stories about what you're able to do in your head. Oh, I can apply to a PhD, or maybe I'm not a good fit for this program. And I think what the advising period really allows for students to do is to hear from someone else how they could be qualified and to sort of have this check to say, you actually are doing a great job in this area, or maybe you could change your focus here, or what are the things that you're hoping to do? I think so often as a first-gen student, I sort of try to fit myself into a puzzle because it was like, I'm gonna have to do this to earn more mm -hmm. money or to find a career here or to do that. And I think what we've noticed is that by having these sounding boards, you're sort of providing a check and balance, but also someone who's able to sort of look at you through another veil and say, actually, 
I see you as this. Is this how you're seeing yourself? And what I've noticed through this advising period is that it's also really helping our students with mental health, self-esteem, and self-advocacy, which are all things that I think are beneficial to a student entering into graduate school. When you're in your application, you're often alone, sort of like in the silo. That experience often compounds itself when you enter into your program. If you're into a master's program, it might be incredibly rigorous and super accelerated, so you don't have the opportunity to have a check and balance and say, oh, what should I do if I'm struggling in my statistics class? Where should I go? So by building in those skills prior to the arrival of graduate school, I think it also helps students become more prepared when they're actually on campus in their programs because they're used to that conversation of feedback, coachability, and being honest and open about how they're assessing themselves in that current moment. Mm -hmm. Are there ways that you, you see IRT alums talking to each other or tapping more into that network? Because I, being, you know, kind of, a, especially with associates, right? Mm -hmm. I think the summer component, I think students might be able to bond more, but for associates to, to be able to tap into that wealth of knowledge that other IRT folks are, you know, other alums or students currently doing a program that they can, um, you know, talk to them and see what their experience is like, yep. what challenges or victories they've experienced. Are there other things going on uh, now in programming or things you imagine doing with IRT? Yes, there are, and I would love your help on this effort. <laughs> I think hearing from our alumni in particular about the things that they're doing already has been sort of surprising to me. So our alums are really connected, I think, in a small group level basis. So let's say there's a cohort of students. They're all at the University of Maryland College Park. They're coming in with the interest of higher education. They're on Slack or any other app and they're all communicating during the day about did you have this experience in your mm -hmm. class or were you looking for a job and I think that's a beautiful thing and I love those conversations communicating and sort of happening naturally in our IRT community what I would love more of is for us to hear those conversations and connecting with students as well so one of my big focus points is how can we hear from our alumni currently and not just our most recent classes but we have about you know over 20 years of students from 19 91 onward who are able to be a mentor discuss the experience that they're going through and connect with students about the next steps in their journey and I think that that's so um, important and urgent for us to connect around and so the alumni engagement piece is very central to us um, and it's something that I look forward to connecting more around so I would love to talk mm -hmm. through like any ideas yeah. or tips that you have around connecting with students particularly our associate class mm -hmm. because they don't have you know the central location to connect around they're right. connecting primarily through the program its goals and you know the actualization of their goals being realized by them being in graduate school yeah. is there um, do we have a directory of, of alumni and yeah. what they're doing? So we have internal databases that we use for our alumni and we're currently looking at unveiling a social media connection hub just for IRT alumni where we'll be able to connect on mentoring, uh, seeing who's located where, yeah. and so that is something that we're hoping to unveil and it will be something that our alums will opt into. So again, we're not sort of pressuring in that way, mm -hmm. but I do believe that by having more facilitated alumni engagement, we'll 
we'll be able to figure out more of how are we how can we reach the needs of our teachers and our educators and our network and really supporting them throughout their process. Um, and we do have our Facebook group that students are using. So there's an IRT Facebook group, but then there are some individualized classes. But also we encourage uh, any sort of fellows and students to reach out to us if they have feedback or want to connect. I'm more than willing mm -hmm. to connect with students because I'm new. And so I think that there's a huge value in learning the experiences of our alumni. Yeah. Um, and I actually, heard more about IRT through, um, I saw them in the fair, but then uh, Monique Cuero-Potts, who works oh, here yeah. on campus, is an IRT alum, and she um, she was the one that pretty much pushed me to mm -hmm. actually consider applying, because I had, it was in the background of my of my mind, but I wasn't sure where I was going to go. Um, so, so much of it is word of mouth or other mm -hmm. IRT alums, and um, I ended up uh, working in a nonprofit after um, college, and one of my students, so I was, one, I was a student advisor slash college counselor slash a lot of different other roles, but um, one of my advisees um, was interested in education and I told her about mm -hmm. IRT and then mm -hmm. she just did the summer program, I think okay. two years ago now, um, and she's in, her, in a graduate school program now. So it's, and it all kind of leads it's, through in that way, which mm -hmm. I think is so great to have, um, when you have the personal connection of someone saying, you should actually do this, and, you, and then you know that that person that you trust or that you respect is telling you to do that, I think it means that much more. Um, you know, then it's great to hear about it in the fair, but having that personal touch point is is so important. I think is is one of the the big driving steps for someone to actually go through the process and see it through so yeah and we also see that so many of our alumni actually serve as recommenders for current applicants and so that was something that we recently researched was how many of our alums are actually referring candidates but also recommending them um, in their capacities as being professors or deans on their university campuses and so we see that that there is this continuous engagement with the mission of IRT in identifying students who we believe are benefit who can be beneficiaries of this work, but I would love to learn more about how can we connect with all of our alumni around their needs so that we can fully figure out ways to support, you know, diversifying our educational system in its entirety. Yeah, um, and did you know about IRT when you were going through, um, you know, college and yeah. after, because I know you have your, you just received your master's in mm -hmm. educational, education, education policy, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So did you know about IRT or did you meet other folks who did IRT? Yeah, great question. So when I was uh, an undergrad, I attended the University of Virginia. Uh, there's an individual who came back for a recruitment day, and we met briefly about IRT. Um, she's currently a member of our advisory board, Cher Reed. Um, I was not interested in IRT at the time. I immediately left university and entered into Teach for America. Mm -hmm. And when I applied to graduate school recently, I knew of IRT, but for some reason I was sort of like on the fence. I think I was one of those grad students who was applying alone in a silo. I like identified two schools. It was something that I was doing for a career shift. And if I happened to get in, then I would figure out a way to do so, but it didn't feel imperative. Uh, to the work that I was doing at that time. I've been very fortunate to have many friends who've gone through the program. One of my best, two of my best friends have done the program. Shara became a manager and is also considered to be a mentor for me. And so in these auxiliary ways, and I think in the ways that I see 
the student connections and relationships forming, I've sort of been brought in as well. Um, I think that IRT has been so fascinating to see the level of interpersonal connectivity that exists between the students, the staff, the faculty, and that people sort of move in these different levels in the organization at different times. Like, Shara can be a participant, she can also work on staff, she can serve on the advisory board, she can identify people. And I think that really speaks to this community and how special and unique it can be, and that it's individuals who care so much about this mission that they look for it in every opportunity possible. And I think that that is something that you often don't see in a lot of nonprofit spaces, particularly when they're so small, that you have individuals who can harness that energy and travel it almost anywhere. And so I was finishing grad school and Shara reached back out to me about IRT. Um, and so that just goes to show, I think, how these relationships, when you're able to you know, harness that energy and control it in a really positive way, that this program continuously gives back and it's almost a cycle of that return of investment. And I think I'm interested in how do we compound that? Um, how do we make this more of a reality for students and for even a person like me who didn't do this program, who's been sort of welcome into it? Um, I think it's incredibly powerful and awe-inspiring to see. Yeah. Tell me, how, how did you get involved in education? Um, and what was your, what did you do before coming to IRT? Fun times. So <laughs> I actually thought I was going to do consulting or political work. Um, so I was doing foreign affairs politics at the University of Virginia. And I went to a Teach for America recruiting session and I sort of sat there and I'm a very skeptical person. <laughs> uh, so it's just like, you know, I don't understand this, what's going on here. And this is around 2009. So the economy was, you know, it was about to tank around my college graduation time. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, at the time, considering law school, I felt like that was just not the place where I wanted to be. And for me, I've always had this question of, you know, what structures and environments allowed me to be in the position that I am today. And at that time, I was a first-gen college student. And so I knew I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, low-income family, first-gen. So I wanted to know, like, what happened in my classrooms that allowed me to be successful? And so Teach for America was recruiting, and I kept asking, like, why don't you have enough black teachers? Why are, where are the black teachers? You're recruiting all the time, but there's only, like, two who came from our class. So someone said, well, if you have a problem with it, apply. And so I did. <laughs> And I applied in September and I got in the first round and I made that commitment at the beginning of my fourth year that I would teach. And it was a surprising experience for me. I think coming in, I had this idea that because I looked like my students and because I came from a similar background of my students, that my students understood me, right? That I didn't have to do all the heavy curriculum lifting and all this other work, that it was incredibly personal. Um, and I found very quickly that that wasn't true and that you know, communities are not monolithic. And just because my students identified as being young black women, um, my experience was not the same as theirs. And I needed to learn that experience. And so from there, I just kept asking questions of, okay, well, if these were my middle school students, what happens when they get to college? And next thing you know, a two-year endeavor of saying I would just teach for two years and maybe the market will stabilize <laughs> and you can apply to law school or be a consultant afterwards, it became a lifelong question for me. Um, so then I started working in uh, college work around first-generation student access in New York City, and that just continued. And so I've been very interested in seeing 
how are students students? Like, how do they work? How do they structure? How does the system structure them, itself around them at each level? So being at the K through 12, being at the grad school level, the collegiate sort of the K through 16 space and now here, um, I think it's been an incredibly fascinating opportunity for me to see how education can impact different communities depending on the structures that we create. Um, and I don't think starting out at like 21 that I would still be involved in education, but I honestly know nowhere else that I would rather be because the questions, and I'm sure you see this all the time, yeah. it's, it's a place where there's so much change happening every single day and that you're responsive and really interacting with the public challenge, I think that it's a great opportunity to really work and collaborate and to problem solve um, in a really exciting way. And so it's scary and stressful, um, you know, thinking about like just the high level of like we're teaching and we're learning and we're really working towards educating entire generations. But I think it's an incredibly beautiful thing uh, to really commit yourself to and work towards. And I'm so happy that I have an entire network of individuals who've done this work and are committed to doing so. Yeah, so that's great. Um, yeah, and I, I relate to that in many ways because I, um, first gen as well, low income, and was thinking about law as, at mm -hmm. first too, but some, maybe something relating to education, but in, in the law track, because I yeah. think so much first gen, you think, you know, you have to go through these pre-professional tracks. And, right. <laughs> um, and so I really hadn't, thought about education becoming a, a career. Like when I graduated from high school, I would never thought, oh, I'm gonna do college admissions and mm -hmm. do admissions here. Um, but it, it really became a reality when I started to uh, to work in a nonprofit and work with students um, and and really start to interact with other educators and see yeah. that as, as, you know, and to think back, you're right, to the same experience of, you know, who helped me along the way, because it wasn't just, me, you know, me figuring it all out on my own, um, but really having that mentorship and guidance mm -hmm. of, of people. Um, so it's so great that you know you have that that knowledge and you're bringing to the table here um, at IRT. So um, can you tell me a little bit about how um, how you maybe thought about maybe students here at Andover hearing about IRT oh, yeah. early on? I mean, even planting that seed um, for them because I think they know that we have programs like IRT and other we have other outreach programs that happen in the summer, but I don't know that they know in detail what that what that is. Yeah, and I think just seeing schools in general, right, it's like really hard to get information sometimes across to students mm -hmm. um, at the time of which you want them to learn it. And so one of the first conversations I had was around, um, I think the AFLAT AM group, mm -hmm. and I was discussing with Linda, you know, what happens to Andover students when they graduate? The similar question that I started, <laughs> started with in Teach for America with my middle school students, like what happens when they leave here? And she brought up a really great point, which is some of them are start struggling with the idea of what happens next and where do I go and what resources do I have? Mm -hmm. So from there, I've had some conversations with LaShawn at the CAMD office and really trying to make, I think it's been starting with me being physically present on campus and trying to interact and interface and actually see and meet students. I also think we have a really great uh, student advisory board member, Clarissa Merquetz. She's been exceptional at sort of coming to the office. I know that if we talk about the relationship-centered work, she talks about our, yeah. our organization often. She's going through our social media pages and like scrubbing them. And she's always sort of discussing like, hey, find out so much. Um, through this organization and she's taking an education uh, class right now in the history department for her current term 
And so she's been discussing IRT in that class, and we've talked about me coming to visit the class yeah. uh, just to observe what it's like. And so I think it's part of, I think part of it is integrating into the Andover community a little bit more, um, sort of just having the opportunities to see people and networking. But I think it's also coming up with some avenues to target and think about the Andover alumni base as well, and how can we sort of engage and discuss the IRT program and our outreach programs in a way that we can see this work beginning earlier on campus. And mm-hmm. so even with people People, um, we're running the MS Squared program. We've discussed what does it look like to have IRT students over there in the summer interacting with these students and then having ongoing conversations about the support um, that IRT can provide or even thinking about things like all school meetings, right? When we have people coming and facilitating or maybe talking about a key issue in education, are there researchers, alums, fellows, participants that we can really highlight and say, this person could maybe be someone great to bring to this conversation, would we consider adding them on there and or adding them in? I think it's also the third part could be just simply identifying the IRT alumni that we currently have on campus. So there's you, there's Yasmeen Allen, there's individuals that we can really highlight of saying like, this, there's a program that exists for our students. Um, it's really great for you to take advantage of that program and by sharing I think the stories of our students I think it helps to again demystify this uh, the challenges that we see around students entering into graduate school Monica our current uh, recruitment staff member one of the things that we've talked about is our goal is reaching students earlier in the process because if we know if you're first gen low income if we're waiting to talk to you in your senior year it might be too late Mm -hmm. and so if we talk to you maybe in your high school year your junior and senior year year where you know that there's something to look forward to because maybe no one told you that you could be a professor right right? like I no one ever said you should be a teacher it was always something else but if someone didn't know that there's a job around you know you can design curriculum for like being used in hospitals like Mm -hmm. you can actually think about ed technology and learning and development there's so many things that I think we've started to learn more about career tracks and education that we didn't really explain well in the past and yeah. now we need to demystify that for our current students yeah, I and agree, so because for many yeah. years i thought it was you know it, the name as the name says is recruitment of te- just teachers, teachers. <laughs> so I thought, well i i'm not necessarily sure i want to teach mm-hmm. um and i had it really was only into seeing other people who were irt alums who were not teachers say oh yeah. you can do other things in education and learn about all these different programs was so interesting to me because then I did start to look at, you know, I, I like admissions work, right? I can this fit into this um, and and think about how can I see myself as an educator in that realm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or in counseling, um, or working with students in that way. So that, that was something that kind of opened my mind too to really think about, you know, what other paths in education exist other than teaching. And yes, of course, teaching, I think, is at the core of IRT, but it's great to explore, you know, the other paths that there might exist mm-hmm. and, and maybe the intersections, right, between Yeah, those, the so. intersections that can exist between these this work. And I think we've seen that education has become an industry that has expanded exponentially within the last 15 to 20 years with current reform. And so I think it's incredibly beneficial that if we recognize this is happening at the career stage, how do we have this conversation earlier with our students so that they're able to take advantage of that? There could be people on our campus right now who've come up with a really great idea to mitigate current challenges that we see in education, but maybe they don't think that it's education. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't see, 
I should go to grad school for this or and they're just falling into the typical you know this is the track that I'm choosing and mm -hmm. I think the benefit of having these conversations earlier is that students get to reimagine themselves earlier in that process and work towards that goal if you say like oh I didn't know that I could actually become interested in like art history and get a PhD in that and maybe become a professor on this really weird idea of like the curator and their role in museums and I really want to talk about this but no one told you that was possible like you're maybe not going to realize that dream and so I think it's important that we reach students earlier so that we can imagine what is possible for them and work with them in actualizing their goals. And I read in the IRT newsletter when they, when they talked a little bit about you and your um, bio, um, one of the things that struck me was your interest in um, data and how that plays into learning and teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that and, and maybe what you've learned through your program in education policy and how you hope to bring that to um, your role in IRT. Mm, data is a big question for me. So I like data and I think in my program, so my program was ed policy, very abbreviated year program. Um, I really enjoy data because it gives you the opportunity to really answer some of the questions that you're looking for, right? Like mm -hmm. the data is there. I think the questions for me is always, how are we using the data? What data are we collecting? Is all data equal um, in education, right? Like if I just get an outcome and I'm looking at the p-value of something, but I've got qualitative data that says something, something else, how do I reconcile this? And so for me in education, I think data has been one of those points where there's so much language around you know, data-driven instruction and how do we figure this out? And I think for the IRT, I'm less so interested in data for the sake of data, but how are we strategically using the data that we collect to understand our populations, to identify our next steps, and then to evaluate the work that we've done, right? So who are our students? What population are they? How many first-gen students do we have? How many multilingual students are we currently working with? Then when we have these questions or we get a better understanding, then what are we doing with that data? And maybe that's qualitative, where we're getting some more of the experiences of our students, understanding how this program is changing their lives, and then finding some way of like forming a comparison group. So like I've asked about, like could we form a comparison group between looking at our associates and interns? Are their outcomes different? based on the program, right? Like I think that there are ways that our program, because of the scope and that we're focused in education, like we actually can use the tools that many of our alumni and researchers are putting out there to evaluate our own program. And I see data uh, being central to that. And there are some alums that we have who are wrestling with these questions of, what does teacher retention look like? Um, how do we determine like what is the best pathway for an educator? When do they leave in the sort of system? And data is a really great point for that. So I think by us getting more and more data, we're actually sort of really helping the organization in the long run of being more sustainable and self-reliant. But also I think it also fits into the mission of the organization and the work that we do and is reflecting the experience of our students and that many of our students in our program will have interactions with data, qualitative or quantitative, and they're using that to evaluate their work and their research. And I think it's fair that our program sort of operates in the same way. And I know that like for me, data started in Teach for America. I feel like Teach for America really drove that conversation in a national context. Data-driven instruction has existed forever, but I think the language 
language behind this is very new. And so for me, it was also about the subversion and understanding how data can be operationalized in certain ways. And it's been incredibly helpful to sort of analyze our programs by using that framework that I've learned, right? Where if I say, oh, you know, you were really successful, what does that actually mean? What made you successful? What sort of outcomes did you have that I'm saying equal success? Is it because you have a job? Is it because you vote? Is it your income? And so I think by really pulling these things apart, we get closer to identifying the values and the ideals of our program. And I think data is just a way of capturing that. So for, for you, as you step into this role, you know it's only been a few months now, right, yeah. since you um, started. What do you see... And, you know, as far as this year, what, what are your goals for this year versus, you know, five years from now, what you hope to do with IRT? <laughs> wow. I think uh, that's tricky because I am a very ambitious person. So <laughs> I feel like the five-year goals blend into the one-year goal. It's just mm-hmm. on a delay. Um, <laughs> so I think my first goal is really just learning the organization. So learning the culture, the people. I think that, you know, it's a really great time for our program. There's so much energy that's happening in every single sector. So our staff is really interrogating the questions that I've asked. Um, they're really These are questions that they've had the entire year prior to my arrival. I think so it's a really great time for wrestling with how are we using data? How are we working with our associates? I also think that, you know, another goal has been learning how to navigate our advisory board, right? Our advisory board is a really interesting group of individuals, some of which attended Phillips Academy. Other members attended and went through the IRT program. And so it's been really important to just learn what are the reasons why people participate and really dedicate their time, their resources towards this organization? Another goal of mine is to really learn as much as possible from our alumni. So beginning the processes of communicating with the alumni students that we have, working better uh, to sort of survey our students immediately after they finish the program. So as soon as our last class finished, I went through the survey with a staff member and we already started identifying changes for the upcoming survey. So really increasing our instruments where we're getting feedback from our students to learn how we can improve. And I think the third is really just building up the awareness of IRT. I've understood and part of my challenge was that I knew of the organization, but primarily through that personal connection. And what I've been really interested by is for students who might have been like me, but maybe a little bit more disenfranchised in some way, what would have happened if I didn't have Shara or that one person? I would have never known about this program or would have known that it existed. And I think similar to your question about the students on PA's campus, what opportunities are we missing because people don't know that we exist? And I think that I'm really intrigued by learning how do we get ourselves involved in these conversations and not just the conversations that exist here, but in the ed landscape of discussing, you know, student access and higher education. This is incredibly, this is an incredibly urgent time for our country. We're debating affirmative action, graduate school, a student loan crisis, and we really need to make sure that if we're building out a future generation that we're going to make sure that they can sustain themselves. And so I think our program is essential in making sure that students who are interested in applying to graduate school are doing so with all of the resources that they need to make the best decisions for them. And so I think that by building out and hearing more from our alumni and building that awareness and just learning more about the program, my hope is that for the second year, we're able to really identify our next phase and our next steps for the organization and what comes after this. And so I've already been brainstorming what that looks like, Um, but I think by forming those partnerships and relationships, by 
you know, a few years down the line, I hope that we have more students. More of our students are identifying and sort of coming back to IRT. They're contributing with their time and also financial resources. I hope that we have a stronger relationship with our consortium and one that's sort of mirroring what we see in education currently. I hope and within five years that we're able to really expand the IRT's recognition and that we're really considered to be at the forefront of analyzing and discussing questions that we see in the American education system currently. And I think one of the biggest benefits of our program is that we really do discuss the system of education. We're not saying you have to come in and work in K through 12. We're not saying you just have to be a professor or you can only be 26 and under to apply. Anyone and everyone, as long as you're interested in education, can come through our program. And I think with that work comes an incredible responsibility to reshape what we're discussing as education here. And so within five years, I really hope that we're able to harness all of these voices to really mobilize and identify what is it that we value and that we stand for, and what are we fighting for in our education system. So Jessica, what are some of the ways that you've given back to the IRT? Yeah, so one of the ways um, I think we've talked about is this word of mouth um, mm -hmm. piece, you know, talking to um, my former students and advisees and my current students now who are thinking about um, potential career options that IRT is, you know, in the realm of possibility for them and to explore that option and to start planting that seed mm -hmm. early on, I think is so important. And to hear it from someone who, who did went through the program, who did um, the associate program and to have them think about that as a, po as a possibility has been one of the ways um, mm -hmm. I give back. Um, I hope to be more involved and maybe come to some panels or to 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 really think about this um, network of IRT alums and and to share my experience to learn from others as well. Um, and the other uh, piece that I've done is uh, pledge for a multi-year commitment to IRT um, as someone who went through the program. This is so essential for me, and I want to give back and donate to a, a community that has been so helpful to me and to many others. So uh, I'm hopeful that you know my uh, donation will have some impact in some way and that other folks can do the same. That's great. And if other folks are interested in supporting the IRT financially, PA Giving Day is on March 27th. And in general, we really look towards donations to help support our work. We primarily work off of those donations. And so every single dollar counts in terms of helping us actualize our organization's mission. This has been so great. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Oh, thank you. I really loved your questions. And it was great yeah. to learn more about your experience as well. Thanks. And I look forward to seeing you know, what your leadership will do to, to make IRT grow and improve in the next year, in the next five and 10 and maybe more. Right? <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. Every Quarter is produced by the Office of Communication at Phillips Academy in Andover and made possible by a grant from the Abbott Academy Fund, continuing Abbott's tradition of boldness, innovation, and caring. Like what you've heard? Spread the word. Share EQ with friends and connect with us using the hashtag EveryQuarterPodcast. You can also find us at podcast.andover.edu. Thanks for listening. I'm Jesse Wallner.